I want to start out this morning uh, with a story I remember reading uh, years ago. It's about a, a rabbi that lived in a Russian city almost 100 years ago uh, now, a century ago. He was disappointed by his own lack of direction and life purpose. He sort of started wandering around the city streets late one night, put his hands in his pockets, and just was sort of wandering aimlessly, just thinking and praying, thinking about his own sort of, um, you know, kind of questioning his own faith in God, sort of just... Uh, questioning and wondering about his call to ministry and to life and all this kind of stuff. He was so lost in his own thoughts that he paid, didn't even notice that he wandered into a secure Russian military compound that was off limits to civilians. <laughs> so he said, all of a sudden, he again, just sort of lost in his own thoughts. He is uh, shocked uh, to being awake as, as a Russian soldier barked at him, who are you and what are you doing here? Excuse me, uh, replied the rabbi. He said, who are you and what are you doing here? Well, after a brief moment, the rabbi, in sort of a gracious tone so as not to provoke the young soldier, said, can I ask how much you get paid every day? And the soldier barks back, I don't know what that has to do with you, the soldier retorted. And with some delight, as though he had just made a discovery, the rabbi ends up saying, I will pay you the equal sum if you'll come to my house every day and ask me those same two questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> so I, uh, I was thinking about that this week and thinking, that's sort of my, my, uh, my purpose here today is I want to... I wanna, sort of shock us and I want us to I want to tell some inspiring stories I want us to look at some scriptures I want us to to sort of get shaken up a little bit over this whole idea of who we are and what are we doing here and so today we are going to talk uh, about mission with your permission I'm going to ask for permission to push into this topic a little bit and uh, and talk about the mission of Jesus I feel a little bit like the Blues Brothers right next slide Blues Brothers. Oh yeah, we're on a mission from God. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about mission stuff today, and uh, and so I think that'll be fun. I, I was uh, reflecting back this week. In fact, I saw a, a movie on Monday. It's the one from Mercy Me. I forget. It's called I Can Only Imagine. Have you guys seen this? This is a good movie. You should see it. But it kind of got me thinking about my own story and my own. Uh, a transformational journey of coming to, to meet Christ. I've, I've shared with some of you before, but uh, I grew up in a, in a church-going home, but really a non-Christian home. We, we didn't know Christ. We didn't follow Jesus. We went to church every week because we thought good people went to church, and that's kind of what we considered ourselves. But practically, I have to say, there was a lot going on underneath the surface. That I mean, we look, On the outside, we look like a good, fam- like good Christian family, you know, kind of thing. But on the inside, man, there was all kinds of crap that was going on that people didn't know about. There was an anger issue that was going on in our home. There was, there was just a purposelessness. There was a lack of peace, a lack of purpose, a lack uh, of lasting and meaningful joy. And as a result, there was sort of just this downward spiral that was happening in our home. Uh, There was a lot of uh, stuff that was happening that... uh, that just came out in explosive and uh, in hurtful kind of ways. And as a result, uh, I, I came to a, a point in my life during my teen years where I was like, man, if this is all there is to life, I'm not so sure I want to live it. I'm not, I'm not so sure that I want to keep going down this road. And, uh, and so I came up with a plan to take my own life at that point. And, uh, and I have to say, looking back, I can't think of why I didn't carry it out other than the fact that you say, I think it must have been God, right, just protecting me from doing something stupid. A sort of a last-ditch effort, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I'll look, maybe there is something to this religion thing. Maybe there's purpose. Maybe there's, maybe there's peace. Maybe there's joy. Maybe there's something that I'm missing that can be found with God. And so I kind of started this 
the search of sorts, and I started seeking and looking. I started looking for somebody that could help point me in the right direction and answer some questions about God and life and all this kind of stuff. And so I started looking. I looked in the school, the high school that I was going to. I looked in our community. We were kind of well-connected. We served, and we did different things. And so I was kind of looking there. I looked in our church. I even sat down with our pastor at one point and, uh, and, and kind of said, you know, there's got to be something more that I'm missing. What is there that I'm missing in life? And uh, and I'll tell you what, no matter where I looked, it seemed like in that era, there was either nobody that would or nobody that could answer their questions. Nobody that did, anyway, point me to Jesus and say, you know, there's life. There's something more if you'll just, if you'll just turn to him in faith and, uh, and trust him and cry out for him. It was two years later before I finally met uh, the first Christ follower I, I recognized, the first Christ follower I'd ever known. And, and it was a young woman named Jenai. She exuded Jesus, right, all over the place. She's still a friend today. Um, but I'm telling you what, she was the first person to come to share with me and to share with a bunch of other uh, of my friends that there was, a, there was a God that loved us, a God that had tremendous plans for our life, a, a God that, w- that was so committed to us, so radically committed to bringing us home that he was... He would be willing to die in our place. It didn't take me long before I, I could tell by the quality of her life. I could tell by the passion and the love that it kind of just came flowing out of her. I was like, you know what? That's what I want, right? I mean, if that's, if that's what following Jesus looks like, count me in. I can remember giving my life to Christ. It was in, in, you know, getting down by this, kneeling down by the side of my bed and praying and just saying, God, I don't know, but... I, th- I think I'm in, right? I want to follow you, and I need you to, to come and forgive me and save me and rescue me and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and for me, from that moment on, it was literally like the lights went on. I could feel God's love sort of, even from the time I was praying, his love and his presence just sort of sweep over me. And, and uh, it was an amazing transformational uh, sort of my best, best moment of my life, right? Best decision uh, ever to, to, to turn over control to God and say, man, I... Jesus, I need you, and I want to follow you. But I'll tell you what, there's a moment not long after that uh, when I remember looking back at, at that era in high school for me, that looking back at that era when I had been searching and looking and sort of even crying out, like, would somebody please point me to Jesus? I wasn't using those words, but I'm, I'm searching and I'm struggling and I'm going through this. I can remember looking back at that time and saying, where was the church, Right? Where, where are the other Christ followers? Certainly in a town of, I don't know, the time, I think 16, 17, 18,000 people. Certainly in a town of that many people, there must have been some Christ followers. Where were they? Why was, why was there nobody there pointing me to Christ? Why was there nobody? I mean, I was, I was flirting with ending it all. Certainly there was somebody in that sphere of influence, somebody around me that could have at least pointed me in the right direction and said, you know what? There is hope, and his name is Jesus. There's life, there's forgiveness, there's second chances, there's purpose, there's meaning, there's something, and just pointed me back to the cross, pointed me back to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I know you can get, we can get all theological and say, well, it just must not have been your time, and it must not have been whatever, but it, it still leaves me wrestling with that question of where was the church? It's something that actually still is sort of unsettling to my own heart and my own soul. It's something that, that really has been formational for me as, as a Christ follower, right? Even as a pastor, as a church planner, as everything else, saying, man, I don't ever want there to be somebody around me. I don't want there to be anybody that I've ever met that would be struggling and be in a place like that, that would be struggling with hopelessness, struggling uh, 
with whatever. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, they were suicidal or they were, but, but struggling and looking and searching and asking questions. I don't want there to ever be a time when somebody's doing that and I don't have an opportunity to point them to Jesus. I don't want there to be anybody in your life, anybody in the sphere around you, at work, in your neighborhood. I don't care, at the grocery store, right? I don't want there to ever be a time when there are people around us that are struggling, that are looking, that we don't recognize, step up and say, you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to have all the right words. We don't have to have all the Bible verses memorized and everything. But just to step up and say, you know what? There is something more and his name is Jesus. I'd love to share with you about him. It doesn't take much, but man, so much, so much, so much. I want us to get back on track. I want us to remember and to live our lives every day, every moment, for the mission of Jesus, for the mission that Jesus has left to his church. You with me? I think uh, I, I ran across, in fact, I, it was referenced, we read a book, our, our leadership huddle group of guys that I'm meeting with, uh, read a book uh, we discussed last week or a couple weeks ago or something, and they referenced this video, and it reminded me, I, I saw it a few years ago, but uh, there's something about it that's great. It's from uh, a comedian. He's an atheist. His, his uh, name is Penn Gillett. And uh, an atheist that somebody comes up to after the show and uh, after one of his performances and hands him a Bible and ends up sharing his faith with him. And this is his, he, he does a video blog and this was his response uh, on YouTube. You want to go ahead and play that? But he was not uh, defensive and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. Isn't that interesting? An atheist saying, I don't respect people that don't proselytize. Proselytize in this... In this uh, He's talking about sharing their faith. He's like, I just don't respect people who don't share their faith. If they re because if they really believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and if they really love their neighbor, if they really love the people around them, he's saying, how could you not share with them? How much would you have to hate them, he says. I think he nails it. He's right on the head. Friends, if we love people and we believe this stuff that we talk about here uh, week in and week out, that it compels us to share our faith with others. It compels us to live out the mission of Jesus. I don't ever want there to be a time when there's somebody around us uh, that's searching, that's longing, that's struggling, that doesn't have an opportunity to hear and to be pointed to Christ when there is an ignite person in the room. That should never happen. It should never happen. 
I'll tell you what, this whole idea of, uh, of living out this mission is what my life has been about. Uh, from the moment I, uh, I gave my life to Christ, I have had, uh, I've felt compelled to let people know just because of my own story. I've, I've uh, felt compelled to, to let as many people know as possible about Christ. It's, what, it's why we started this church. It's that the heartbeat and the core of our mission as a church is to live out this, this mission to let the world know there's a God that's crazy about him who died to save him. His name is Jesus. It's why we exist, and it's what we're called to as Christ followers. And so today, I just want to, uh, I'm going to walk through some, some scriptures, that, that some passages, some places, most of them are straight out of the lips of Jesus, where he's talking to his followers, and he is, he is speaking into them and saying, this is who you are. This is your identity. This is the mission that I'm leaving to you. And I just want you to hear it. It's pretty compelling when you start stringing these together. And Jesus is saying this again and again and again and again and again. And he's saying, this is who you are. Live this stuff out. And I think, I think all of us just need a reminder sometimes, don't we? I think all of us just, just need uh, to have that value lifted and said, you know what? God, I want to, I, I want you to use me. I want you to send me. I want to, I want to be all in on your mission. So that's where we're going today. I'm going to start out with just a few, uh, again, some of these pieces. I want you to look for identity sort of words as we go through a few of these scriptures. This one's from first Peter. Um, and it says this first Peter two, verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. He's saying, you collectively, those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ, you are royal priests. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Think about this. God looks at you and he says, you know who you are, Christ followers? You know who you are, Christians? You are priests. Raise your hand if you feel like a priest this morning. <laughs> yeah, not so much. It's not one that resonates with us, right? We're like, I don't know, priest. But he says, you are a priest. He's, he's saying, you're a pastor. You're like a missionary. You're a minister. You are called to help bring people to God. That's part of your identity as a Christ follower. In fact, he says, you're a royal priest. You're a priest that, that serves the king, right? You're a priest that serves the Lord, and you're, you minister and help introduce people in, 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 uh, to, to the king and to, to do the king's bidding and, and, and that kind of stuff. You're to speak for God. You're to pray to God. You're to minister to those around you, helping them to connect with the living God. You are a priest. You're a missionary. Let's keep going. Second Corinthians 5.20 says this, Next one, if you can. Next slide. Right. It says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He says, you know who you, know who you are? Christ followers, you are ambassadors for the king. You're, you're, you represent the kingdom of God. You represent the king, right? You represent King Jesus to the world around you. Anytime you interact with somebody else, you are reflecting what it looks like by your words, your actions, your love. You are reflecting to a world around you what the kingdom of God is like. How are you doing, right? You are an ambassador. It reminds me of a time when I lived in Russia uh, and... Uh, We'd been living there about a year. I was at the lightest weight I'd been in my adult life. I'd lost a whole bunch of weight. We were living on crackers and cheese and bread and that, that kind of stuff. And uh, just really, we were living really leanly, I should say. And, uh, and I'll never forget, we took a trip to Moscow and, and uh, 
uh, we visited some restaurants, some American restaurants that were there and some of that kind of stuff. But I'll never forget, we went into the American embassy uh, in, in Moscow. And it was the most amazing experience ever. Again, after living for almost a year in Russia, we walk in to this, uh, I mean, amazing sort of building. Uh, we walk in. The receptionist is there. And in English, she says, how? Hi, how can I help you today? And we're like, you're American. This is great. And was, uh, we, were, we were joking around with her. And she was introducing us. She introduced us to some of the staff. And they were, we were all just kind of shooting, you know, shooting the breeze and sitting around talking and all this kind of stuff. It was fun. They gave us a tour. They took us to the American grocery store that was in the, the, the embassy there. They took us to the, the, the Olympic-sized swimming pool they had in there. I mean, they're taking us from one place to the other. And we're like, oh, this is great. It was like a little piece of America right in the heart of, of Moscow. And uh, I was like, man, this is so cool. And there's a rest, American restaurant there and all this kind of stuff. And uh, they said, it was, I think, maybe about the end of June, maybe early July, something like that. And they said, hey, if you guys are still in town, we're going to invite you back on the 4th of July. We're going to have fireworks. There's going to be food. We're going to have a big party and that kind of stuff. And uh, I just remember kind of being rocked back. and like, how funny is that? Again, we are in the middle of Russia, right? We're in the middle of Russia. This is not long after the wall came down, uh, that kind of stuff. And here we're going to have a 4th of July. Independence Day celebration for America right in the heart of it, right? Because it's a little slice um, of America right there because they, the, the people that work there, the people that live there, uh, the people that whatever, they represent America to the Russians. And so they celebrate, they, they live accordingly. They, you kind of with me? In the same way, God says, you know what? You are like my ambassadors in this world right? When you interact with people, when you speak, when you love, I want you to represent me well. I want you to represent my love for people. I want you to point them back home. I want you to speak for me. The, the things that I value, I want you to value so that those around you can, can see and hear and get a glimpse of who I am. You are my ambassadors. You're my ambassador. Let's go on. Acts 1.8 says it this way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are witnesses for Christ, he says. What's a witness, by the way? What's a witness? You see something happen. What else? Tell a story. Yeah, what else? Good. Somebody that, that testifies before other people, they, they share it, right? They testify to the truth, to what they have seen and heard and experienced, right? They, they, they stand up uh, before a judge and they say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? And then they, they share what they've seen and heard and experienced. He says, you are witnesses of Christ. You have a story that the world needs to hear. You need to point them back to me and share how I have transformed your life. Share what you have experienced and what you've seen and come to know about my goodness and my love and my sacrifice for you. Let them know. Make sure you share with them the best news ever announced. Be sure to share with them that there's forgiveness available, that there is life available and freedom available to anybody that would come and put their faith and love and, and trust in Christ. There's an author, George Sweeting, that tells a story, a true story about a, about a man named John Currier, who in 1949 was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Later, he was transferred and paroled uh, to a work farm, basically near Nashville, Tennessee, where he was going to do hard labor for the remainder of his days. 
1968, some new evidence was overturned and uh, found out that he was actually innocent. And so a court uh, terminated his sentence. He was freed, and a letter bearing the good news was sent to him. However, he never received it. He never received the good news. So day in, day out, he kept doing hard labor, manual labor, day in and day out. Even when uh, the farmer that he was working for died, he continued to follow orders and to do the hard work day in and day out. For more than a decade, he was free and still continued to to work day in and day out. Finally, uh, some deputy got wind of this and went and told him the good news and that he was free to go. He had been freed for 10 years. And he said, you're released. You know, you're free. You're a free man. You can go. Sweeting uh, ends the story by saying, he, by concluding this, he said, would it matter to you if somebody sent you an important message, the most important message of your life, and yet year after year, the urgent message was never delivered? How would you feel about that? Can you imagine? It goes back to what, what the, uh, the magician was saying, right? Like, he was saying, if, if somebody, if I believed that you were going to get hit by a truck, right, I would do something about it. He's like, what, if you sit by and just watch it happen, like, imagine, in, in a similar way, God is saying, man, you speak for me. You are my witnesses. There is a world around you that desperately needs Jesus. There is, there is a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. And the entry, entry to that is free of charge. If you'll just come and receive the grace and forgiveness of Christ, you can be entered in to all eternity in heaven with him, right? And not just eternity, but life. You can experience life in the here and now. You can experience closeness and intimacy with the living God from here on through to eternity. Life is better that way. How could we not share what we have seen and known and experienced with those around us? How could we keep that to ourselves? Man, it's the best news ever. And, and people around us desperately need to hear it and know it. Matthew 28, uh, this is the classic one. It's known as the Great Commission, right? Jesus uh, is kind of leaves his standing orders with his disciples and really all of the disciples that would come, which includes, okay, that was weak, which includes, thank you, right? Right, I mean, he's saying, he's saying these are my standing orders. These are the last, the last sort of command that I'm gonna give you. This is how you are to live until I return. And he says this, Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, he says, then Jesus came to them. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. His standing orders are to go for his followers, are to go and make disciples. Kind of the last one that we're talking about here is that we are, part of our identity as Christ followers is that we are called to be disciple makers, that we are called to go and to share the good news and help other people become followers of Christ. We're called to make disciples, go and make disciples, he says. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then according to God, you are a disciple maker. You are a witness. You are an ambassador. You are a priest or a minister. In short, you are called to live your life as a missionary to the world around you. You may think that that's not really what I do. I'm not a professional. I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a clergy type. I'm not a whatever. I'm just 
a cook or I'm just a banker or I'm just a factory worker. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a teacher. I, I just sell insurance or, or uh, I, I'm just an administrator or whatever. But in reality, that is not who you are according to Christ, right? It's like, that's, that might be what you do, but it's not who you are because you are here for a purpose because you are called to a mission. The church has been called, us as the church has been called on mission to live our lives as Christ's disciples and as a result to witness, to be ambassadors, to be priests, and even to be disciple makers for those around us. God has positioned you. He has put you in just the right place for you to minister for him, for you to be an ambassador or a missionary or a witness for him. Charles Spurgeon, sort of old-time classic, uh, classic preacher, writer, just transformed the world. He says this. He says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Isn't that great? Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Or an imposter. It's who we are. You may be disguised as a data analyst, as a, as a teacher, as a banker, as a whatever, but you are put there for a purpose. God has placed you in that situation. He has given you influence with those around you for the purpose of making Christ known, for the purpose of pointing other people to Jesus. He's put you there to serve and to love and to pray for people, to minister to them, point them to Christ. Friends, you are here for a purpose. You are a missionary wherever you work, whatever you do, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. You're not just an office manager or a mom. You are a disciple maker. You are a missionary put there on purpose to impact kids and neighbors and coworkers and on and on and on. He wants to use you for his purposes if you'll let him. It's who you are. What you do is just the sphere in which you live for Christ and minister. That's your mission field wherever you are. So it could be that you go to the grocery store, you know what, that's your mission field. It could be that you, you're cooking out in the backyard and you talk to your neighbor, you know what, that's your mission field. It could be that you go to work and, and, and somebody next to you is having a hard time, you know what, that's your mission field. You're called, you're equipped, you're empowered to go and make disciples. How are we doing on this one? I think many of us have, have uh, heard this before, but I just want to, I want to really, I, th I thought this is great. This is, I think this is what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 4, 19, when he goes to some of the, some fishermen and he calls them and he says to them, calls them to be his disciples. He says, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of people, right? We've heard this. And yet I wonder if we've really thought about what it says. He's saying up to this point in your lives, right? You've been simply been fishermen. It's what, it's what you've done. It's your work. It's your job. It's what's consumed you. Your whole life has been centered around the job of catching fish. You've been focused on the, on the product and on doing the job and on making a living and making a buck and some of that kind of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he's like, from, from here on out, as you follow me, Jesus says, I have bigger plans for you. I want to move from just, <clears throat> just having your whole world focused on and consumed by just the job that's before you of catching fish. And I want to move to be fishers of men. I want you to think about how you can live your life in a way. How, how can you follow my lead in this and move from catching six inches to six footers, right? How can, move, move, move from catching just little fish to, to impacting the lives of, and the eternities of those around you. And the way you do that is by living out your identity, right, as a missionary and a disciple maker 
and an ambassador, right? That you can point them to Jesus. God's desire is for all of us to be fishers of men and women, to be people that are about his plans wherever we are. Rather than just sort of making a living, raising a family, and going out sort of the normal, monotonous life, God is inviting you and I into an adventure to change humanity, to change lives and eternities, to be used to heal marriages, to point people to Jesus, to help people grow up in their faith and mature. He's inviting us to move from being fishermen to fishers of men. Of course, that's nothing that we can do on our own. But he says, all authority, all power, he says, has been given to me, Jesus says. And I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you authority enough. And I'm sending you out with that authority saying, go and make disciples. Wherever you go, go and be fishers of men and women. Wherever you go, point them back to me. Let them know there's hope and there's, there's power in this gospel message, in the good news of what Jesus came to do. You with me? Man, it's, it's way better than just making widgets, right? It's way better than just fishing for little carp and bluegill and bass and all this. It's way better than that. There's nothing like it of seeing somebody's life completely transformed, of seeing somebody find hope and coming to life in every way and just being raised up as they is their eyes are open to Jesus for the first time. Man, there is nothing better than that. You are missionaries. You are ministers, ambassadors, fishers of men, disciple makers, and God has big plans for you. He wants to use you to impact lives and eternities. There is no more important work on the planet. It's what our church is all about. It's why we started in the first place. We, put, we use slightly different words in our mission, but uh, we, we basically taken those passages and we've kind of broken them down into three different things. We say, as a church, our mission is threefold. It's, it's about three things. It's real simple. First, uh, our, and I'm not talking about like our church, like when we come here on Sunday morning, yes, that's included, but we're saying we are the church, right? So we're saying, this is what we feel like we are called to. This isn't Russ's mission. This is our mission. And you'll see it, it stems right from what Jesus says is the mission of every single follower of Jesus. So we say, we, we put it this way. We say, there's, we're about three things. The first one is we're about helping people to discover new life in Christ, right? This is, the, this is pointing them to Jesus, sharing the gospel, letting them know you know, there's hope and new life available for you because of, the, because of what Christ has done on the cross and, and paying the price for our sins. And, and so, uh, and then, uh, you know, through his death and through his resurrection, uh, now there's life and freedom and hope available to all because of that. It's, it's simply pointing people back to Jesus. And we said, you know, we want to do that here on Sunday morning. Yes, we want to do it everywhere we go. We want, we, want, we want there to be other disciples that are being made. We want to see, see uh, fishers of men being sent out from here every week and, uh, and seeing little pockets of new, new Christ followers bubbling up wherever we want. If we're doing it right, there will eventually be stories that are happening two, three, four gener generations away from me, that stories that we don't even know about, but you're being faithful and you're living for Christ at work and in your neighborhoods and in your families and everything else. And so there's going to be just new believers popping up all over the place because we're being faithful to live out our identity as missionaries, right? As, as ambassadors for Christ. But we don't want to just leave people there. We, we don't want to just help people discover new life in Christ and just sort of, you know, they pray the prayer, they step across the line, and then they're stuck there forever. No, no, no. Of course, we want to help people develop, right, into passionate followers of Jesus. This is the part, the next slide if we can. Develop into passionate followers. First of all, say discover. discover. Say develop, develop, right? 
discover new life in Christ. Develop, we want every person who has is, who is prayed that prayer, who has opened their heart and life to Christ to take the next step and learn and grow up to be a disciple of Jesus, one who follows, one who, who is filled with his spirit and learns the joy of, of following him in everything they do, one who, who is learning to live, live out his, his identity as a disciple or her, her identity as a disciple of Christ in their family, right, in their own devotional life. How can, I, how can I foster that relationship with the living God? How can I pray? How can I work in a way that honors and glorifies God? How can I, right, how can I, what, what, what spiritual gifts has God put inside of me? What kind of specific call to, to minister? Like it could be for some of us that God has put different uh, passions and abilities and gifts inside of you that are there for a reason. Some of you are passionate about uh, poverty kinds of issues or like single mom kind of issues or, or passionate about all kinds of things. God might, as you, as you are developing into a passionate follower of Jesus, God might use you to help impact others. He might use you to start a ministry. Who knows? All kinds of things about that. But he, he wants to use you. He wants to develop you into even more than you can imagine yourself to be. He wants to develop you into passionate followers of Jesus. That's, that's what we're about as a church. Help people discover new life in Christ, develop into passionate followers of Jesus. And then we want to see them deployed. It's the third one. Next slide. Deployed to impact their world for Christ. And that just means living for the kingdom wherever they are. Right, living fully for Jesus, living out this mission wherever they are. It's our conviction as a church that we believe that every person that becomes a disciple of Jesus, he will, he will eventually lead to the point of being an apostle. Disciple means, right, it means one who follows Jesus, and an apostle is one who is sent for Jesus. We believe disciples always get sent because that's the heartbeat of God. I read a, a, a quote this week that said, God only had one son and he made him a missionary, <laughs> right? And it's true, right? And it's, he calls the same, this is the heartbeat of God to come, to step outside of our comfort zone, to, to go to people who are in need, who are desperately in need of Jesus and to love and minister and pray for and encourage and help, right? Sometimes that's gonna look like, uh, it's gonna look like all kinds of things. He might, that, part of that might be that we help financially, right? We pour out resources to help people that are in need. Some of it might mean that we help with time and we serve people. We watch their kids or we hear that there's a need going on in their life and we meet it. It might mean that we, we pray for them. It might mean that we are pointing them back to Jesus. It might mean that we minister to them in some way, but we are deployed to live wherever we are for God and his kingdom. We are deployed back to make a difference in our community, make a difference in our world for Christ's kingdom. It's who we are. It's what we are called to. We were talking about this in our, uh, how am I doing on time? I should pay attention. Um, <laughs> uh, we were talking about this in our um, partnership class a couple weeks ago, just talking about, man, if we are, if we are living out this mission of, of uh, helping people discover new life in Christ, developed into passionate followers, and then sent out, deployed to impact their world, we're like, we think churches ought to be springing up on accident. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. I'm not talking about like necessarily a church service or whatever like this, but wouldn't it be cool if while we're working at the bank or the casino or at CAT or at our tax office or wherever we're working, wouldn't it be cool if, if, if we were so filled with Christ and we were so in love with Christ and we cared so much for our people and, and that the way we served and the way we lived and the way we worked reflected him? 
that as opportunities opened up, we started pointing people back to Jesus and helped them discover new life in Christ. And then we helped them grow and all of us to grow up in Christ. Wouldn't it be cool if we're being faithful to do that kind of thing? Can you imagine? Wouldn't it be cool to start? Because eventually what's going to happen? People are going to start meeting Jesus. And so if this is happening at the bank or at the casino, wouldn't it be cool if if God started raising up one and two and three and four, maybe pretty soon you have a little, you have a Bible study that happens over the lunch hour or at the end of the shift or whatever. Wouldn't it be cool if there was like a little church that was popping up all over the place? There's now suddenly six people that are like a little church meeting together and ministering together and trying to reach the rest of the, their, can you, do you kind of see what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be cool? You, you might think, well, this is ridiculous. That's never happened before. That's, that's the entire story of the New Testament, right? The, the early church uh, gathered together. As soon as Jesus left, they were, a little group was praying together. Then the day of Pentecost comes and the church blows up. And suddenly there's several thousand people. There's a mega church that gets established in Jerusalem. And they loved it, man. They had the best worship. They had the best services. They had, they're like, man, we're going to stay here forever. The, 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 uh, the mission and the commission of Jesus, he said, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations but what did they do? They stayed. They're like, no, it's comfy here. There's other Christ followers. It's great. We'll just stay here forever. And so God sent persecution that busted up the, the, the church and made them kind of scatter throughout the region. And everywhere they went, now, now the professional Christians, the, the pastor types stayed in Jerusalem. The ordinary Christ followers, they're the ones that scattered throughout the region. And everywhere they went, you start hearing Oh, there's a little church that got started there. There's a little church that got started here. There's a church that's meeting in their home. There's a church that's meeting at their workplace. It's the story of the Bible. It's, it's the mission of Jesus getting lived out in real life. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be cool? What if he wanted to do that through you? And in fact, I'll just say this. I mean, we can't control the results, right? That's up to God. But in fact, I would say that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to do, is to, to be ambassadors, right? Is to be witnesses, to point people back, to share and to point people back to, to life in Christ. We are called to be disciple makers, to help raise up passionate followers of Jesus. And we are called to live for his kingdom wherever we go. It's the good stuff. Man, we've got... Uh, I'll kind of start doing some application, but we've got like a killer opportunity this week, right? For us to live out his mission. And uh, we talk about this in, in terms of two ways. We, we want you to go, right? We want you to, to go and make disciples. We want you to, to live out the mission and go and you know, help introduce people to help, help them discover new life in Christ. But there's two ways. There's kind of two approaches from a biblical standpoint. One is the come and see approach. And the other one is the go and tell approach. Both are good. Both happen. Easter is like the perfect time to do both of these. First of all, we're going to have an Easter service next Sunday. There's going to be a celebration going on. We're going to preach the gospel, the best news ever announced. We're going to point people to Jesus. It's a time when culturally people just go to church. So would you invite them, right? We've put these tools in your hands. I, I would double dog dare you to take more than one. Take two or three or four or five. How many people are around you that need Christ? Now, don't go, if, if people have home churches that they're plugged into and they're good churches, whatever, don't invite them. There's 260,000 people in our region that aren't in any Christian church on a given weekend. This is in the greater Peoria area. Invite them. There's people out there starving for Jesus. Would you put one of these in their hand and say, you know what? Love to have you join us. 
every year just about we'll we'll invite we, well we always invite people but we'll oftentimes invite people over afterwards right just say hey if you want to come to our come to our house for lunch afterwards we'll have a big spread it'll be great come join us what's the worst that could happen right what are they going to say sort of like what he said he was a really good guy like i don't agree with him i mean he's still an atheist but he's like he was a really good guy and it was really sincere that's about the worst that's going to happen they're going to say no and think man that was kind of nice they invited me over to their house another church big deal. What's the potential upside? I'll tell you what, every year, every year so in our four-year existence, <laughs> that's like, wow, what a track record. But anyway, <laughs> but every year, like goes way back. But <laughs> every year we've had people that have invited friends and family members and whatever to come to Easter and they've ended up giving their lives to Christ. Imagine the upside. The, the upside is potential Life change, transformation, people coming into the kingdom, their eternities are altered, and suddenly they are coming to life. They are finding hope as they they have found a new, fresh, life-giving relationship with Jesus. Man, what is holding us back? It is time for us to step up. It's time for us to embrace our identity as Christ followers, as disciple makers, as missionaries and ambassadors, as witnesses, and say, you know what, God, who can I invite this week? Who can, who, who can I invite and say, come and see. Come and see Christ is doing cool stuff. Man, I hope every one of us invites, like I said, two, three, four, five, six. I don't know how many people you know around you, but invite them to come and join us for Easter. Second, the second part of that is the go and tell kind of thing. And I have to say, this is also the perfect week of the, of the year to do that. Why? Because Jesus is going to be on people's minds and lips. It's, it's weird, but almost every year, like Newsweek, Time Magazine this week, will likely have a picture of Jesus on the front page. <laughs> it's because it's the biggest news that's ever happened. There will be opportunities. Even You can even just ask about people's traditions. Oh, what do you guys usually do for Easter? There's open, even if it's just a little bit, there's open doors to start talking about Jesus and what he has done. And uh, I mean, for us, we always talk about Easter's my favorite week of the year. (laughs) And people be like, really? Be like, yeah, it has nothing to do with the Easter bunny. But the the fact that Christ is alive, that he's risen, that there's hope for our lives. Now, it depends who you're talking about, right? I mean, there's opportunity to speak the name of Jesus. What might God do? If you were to live that out this week, who might there be that God's nudging you and putting, say, would you invite, would you share, would you speak the name, would you pray for, would you live out your identity as a missionary this week? Friends, let's take advantage. Let's not miss what God wants to do. I'll end with this scripture. I think this is crazy. So in Acts, uh, it's basically the Great Commission, but uh, Jesus ends up giving this final statement. He says, you know, He says this, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then then it goes on and says this, after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. It's called the ascension, right? He goes up, uh, and a cloud hid him from their sight eventually. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who is has been taken from you into heaven. He will come back in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. You know, you know what they're saying? Why are you standing there staring off into space? There is a mission. It is urgent. Jesus is coming back. So go and make disciples, right? So go and be my witnesses. So go and point people back to Christ because people's lives, because people's eternities are hanging in the balance. Let's close in prayer.
Father, that is, uh, man, that's, that's the mission. We hear, you. we hear you this morning. And Lord, we just want to respond with open hearts and open lives. Lord, help us not just to, uh, to love with words or whatever else, but help us to, to love you and to love others by putting this stuff into practice this week. God, would you lead and direct us? Would you open our eyes to the opportunities you are putting right before us? at work or at the shopping center, at the grocery store, in our neighborhood, even in our own families. Would you give us boldness and courage to live out your mission with passion this week? Lord, may we do it not just, uh, I don't know, whatever, to put a notch in our belt or to feel good on, uh, about the whatever, but may we do it for your glory and for your good and for the good of those around us. May, uh, may your kingdom come, God, and may your will be done in us this week through us this week. Have your way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.